I find it fascinating. Children grow up under the same roof, under the same rules, and under the same parents. They grow to become very different people. Different personalities, different opinions, different perspectives. Though they have identical physical environments, they turn out drastically different from one another. You can bring the same message and each of them receive it in different ways. Bosses can bring a message to their employees and each employee receive it differently. A coach can bring a message to their players and each of them receive the message in drastically different ways. A preacher can bring a message and it hit people in various different ways. Well, when we get to Mark chapter four, Jesus tells a parable about when a message is brought, it lands on four different types of hearts. Let me show you. Grab your Bible and turn with me to Mark chapter 4. We're jumping back into our sermon series, On the Move. And if we walk through the gospel of Mark together as a faith family, we've taken a break for a few months. We've looked at different passages of scripture, different themes together as a faith family. But it's good to come back as, a, as your pastor. It's good for us to walk through books of the Bible, to see how all of it fits together, how all of scripture is driving us to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Up to this point in the gospel of Mark, Jesus has been baptized, launched his ministry in Galilee, called his disciples, cast out demons, healed the sick, preached the gospel, performed miracles, provoked religious leaders, and taught life-altering truths about the kingdom. We find Jesus once again at the Sea of Galilee in northern Israel. His popularity continues to grow as thousands flock from miles around to come and see this miracle worker from Nazareth. And we catch up with Jesus in Mark 4, and he is surrounded by such a large crowd of people who are pressing in on him so much that he pushes himself out into the lake, and he turns a boat into a pulpit. And though Mark doesn't usually record the content of Jesus' teaching, he does tell us about how Jesus would teach. But when we get to Mark 4, he records for us a teaching from Jesus that is compelling on how the word of God will have impact on different people's hearts. He tells a parable to the crowd and then later on he interprets the parable to his disciples. Look with me at Mark chapter four, beginning with verse one. Scripture says, again, he began to teach by the sea and a very large crowd gathered around him. So he got into a boat on the sea and sat down while the whole crowd was by the sea on the shore. He taught them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed some seed, fell among the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. When the sun came up, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it didn't produce fruit. Still other seed fell on good ground, and it grew up, producing fruit that increased 30, 60, and 100 times. Then he said, let 
anyone who has ears to hear, listen. When he was alone, verse 10, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. He answered them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those outside, everything comes in parables, so that they may indeed look and yet not perceive. They may indeed listen and yet not understand, otherwise they might turn back and be forgiven. Then he said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand all of the parables? The sower sows the word. Some are like the word sown on the path. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. And others are like seeds sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. But they have no root. They are short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. Others are like seeds sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word. But the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those like seeds sown on good ground hear the word, welcome it, and produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. In his teaching, Jesus uses a parable of a farmer. Now, this would make sense to his contemporary context because in that culture, the people lived in an agricultural, uh, agricultural place, a, a, a culture of farming. These people knew the importance of good seed. They knew the importance of fertile soil and deep roots. And here's Jesus using their cultural context to drive home truth about the kingdom. When a farmer would go and plant seeds, he would not individually plant the seeds but rather he would have a sack draped over his shoulder. He would dig his hand into the satchel and then cast out the seeds. He would throw them by the hundreds out onto the soil. Just as a young couple walks out of a church after being married and having rice or birdseed thrown upon them, so the farmer would take the seed and cast it out. And each of those seeds would fall upon different types of soils. It would land upon a different place and have a very different trajectory for how the Lord would use it. And just as each seed would fall upon different soil, when the word of God is cast out into the world, it falls upon different types of hearts. You see, Jesus is the farmer. He is the sower who casts the seed of the word out into the world. But people would respond very differently based upon the condition of their hearts. You and I, we are just like that. We are sowers. We are farmers. We take the word of God and we cast it out into the world. Whether you're a father teaching his children at a kitchen table, or you're sharing the gospel with a co-worker at the Coke machine, or you're giving a testimony over the fence with your neighbor, or you're a life group leader and you're teaching in a circle, or you're meeting with a friend over lunch and you're discussing the gospel, the sower casts out the seed of the word of God. But what we notice in the text is that there are four different responses to the word. The first soil I want you to see is the hard heart. The hard heart. This first soil means that there will be no root, no shoot, and no fruit. Jesus describes a path, verse four, as the type of soil that some seed fell upon. But instead of the seed bearing fruit, the seed was eaten by birds. 
The heart of the first soil is just like the path that people have walked upon. I remember when I was a student at the University of Kentucky, we had sidewalks that would connect different buildings that you would walk on to get to the different place where you needed to go. But they would also have this plush, beautiful green grass in the quad. But college students didn't want to have to walk all the way around. They would walk right through it. And so you would see over this beautiful grass these dirt paths that have been beaten down by students walking over them over and over and over again. Jesus has been doing this. We saw back in Mark chapter 2 when he is out with his disciples and he's walking through a field and picking heads of grain and eating it as a snack. He's walking along a path. Well, the soil he's describing here in Mark chapter 4, this first soil, is a hard soil. It's seeds that fall upon the ground, upon this path, this place where it hits the ground, but there is no way for this seed to take root. This person's heart is hard. It's kind of like trying to plant seed on asphalt, It's not going to happen. The seed will be eaten up by the birds. Now, Jesus compares the birds, verse 4, to the work of Satan. Look at verse 15. Jesus says, Some are like the word sown on the path. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word. Jesus describes Satan in John chapter 10, verse 10, as a thief. Satan's mission is to stop people from believing upon Jesus. Satan wants to destroy your faith. And so he is like a roaring lion seeking to devour your belief. He seeks to undercut those who would believe upon the gospel. He seeks to discredit the word of God, to rob God of glory by pointing people away from him. And Jesus says that when the seed falls upon the path, there are people, who, people whose hearts are so hard that when the word of God is brought to bear upon them, Satan comes and snatches it. Their heart is like a path that's been worn down. And as soon as the word is brought to bear, it's taken up, it is snatched, it is taken away by Satan. When the gospel is presented, when someone hears the good news of Jesus, who lived a perfect, sinless life that we couldn't live, who died a death that we deserved upon a cross, where he gladly gave his life and his blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins for all who trust in him, the Jesus who was put into a tomb but didn't stay dead, the Jesus who was raised on the third day, the one who defeated death and those who trust in him by faith, you too receive eternal life, the Jesus who ascended back up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God the Father upon the throne. And it's there that he is interceding on behalf of those who believe upon him. This gospel, when people hear it, they reject it. When the word of God is brought to bear, they're not interested. This soil that Jesus is describing here are people who they hear the word. When they hear the gospel, it's met with either a shrug or an outright no. This is a hard heart, a heart that rejects the word that God is planting in their life. Question, what about you? Are you bored by Bible preaching? Does your Bible sit securely upon a shelf collecting dust? There's danger there. If you're allowing the word, the seed 
to come into your life, and yet you do nothing with it. Jesus is warning of a heart that is hard, that is rejecting the word that's brought to bear upon their hearts. Now, can I say for us as believers, let me remind us that we are not the ultimate judge of the condition of someone's heart. God may be doing something that we can't see. You go back to Acts chapter 7 and you see where Stephen is preaching. He brings the word of God to bear. And what appears are a bunch of hard hearts. So much so that the people pick up stones. They begin to kill him. They stone him for preaching the gospel. And some might say that was a failure. Stephen not only was not successful because there were no converts, but he lost his life in the meantime. But who was there holding the garments of those throwing the stones? The Apostle Paul. And so as Stephen is preaching the gospel, as he is bringing the word of God to bear upon his hearers, make no mistake, he was successful. Because years later, God has brought forth much fruit. He took the seed that appeared to be falling upon the hard soil of people's hearts, and God transforms that seed and uses it to bear fruit in this man's life. I remember when I was in high school, uh, my family, we did not attend church regularly. Uh, I'd go periodically by myself. Um, and a buddy of mine invited me to come to a Wednesday night youth group, student ministry. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I'll go. And, and there were, were pretty girls, and they had basketball, okay? And so I was like, well, man, I'm in. Like, let's, let's do this, okay? There's, you know, pretty girls have reached more people for Jesus than Billy Graham, okay? <laughs> but in order for me to play basketball... Afterwards, I had to sit through the Bible study, which I wasn't keen on, but I thought, okay, well, I'll endure this. And student pastor's name is Richard, and I would sit in the back and act like I wasn't interested. And afterwards, I'd get to go play ball, and it was great. Well, at the end of my high school career, I come to faith in Jesus. He radically transforms my heart. I get to college, God calls me into the ministry and calls me to be a student pastor. So I start serving at a church as a student pastor, and I, there's a youth pastor summit in the city. And so I go to this meeting, and who would be there but Richard? And I walked up to him, and I said, hey, Richard, I don't know if you remember me. And he said, oh, I remember you. <laughs> and I said, man, I, I'm so sorry for how I treated you. But I want you to know that, man, you planted a lot of seeds in my heart. And because of what you did, I've now come to faith in Jesus, and now I'm a student pastor, and I'm locking arms with you trying to reach teenagers for Christ. That's what God does. You see, you can't judge the success of your ministry based upon what you can see. You can't judge how successful you are as a parent, as a pastor, as a coach, as a neighbor, as a friend, based upon what you can see in front of you. Because when we bring the word of God to bear upon the hearts of other people, you never know what God's going to do. He's taking those seeds and he may be planting them deep within their heart so that it might one day lead to future fruit that you may not get to see. God may be hiding the fruit of your labor to keep you humble. 
He may also be preparing soil that you can't see below. Your job is not to be successful in the amount of converts that you gain. Because guess what? You can't save anybody. Success is being faithful to the message and being faithful to proclaim the message. You and I, we scatter the seed. We're farmers. And growth takes time. And it's hard work. But you, over and over, you cast the seed out to your ball team, to your co-workers, to your neighbors, to your children and grandchildren. We bring the word of God. We seek to bring as much kindling around people's hearts so that when the spirit grabs hold of their heart, he has a lot to work with. He's able to take this small kindling of a fire and create an inferno for the glory of Jesus. This is what we do. We bring the word of God to bear upon people. Don't trust what you can see. God is up to something bigger than you can see. But if you're here today or you're watching online and you have a hard heart, you keep rejecting the gospel. You keep saying no to the word of God being brought to bear upon your life. This is a warning. This hard heart, this path leads to hell. And so if you sense that your heart is growing hard towards the Lord, if you're continuing to reject the gospel, then heed this warning from Jesus. Beg, plead, ask God, would you give me a soft heart? Give me a heart that is good soil to receive the word so that I might receive the gospel. I might receive the seed of the word of God. So we see the first soil that Jesus addresses is a hard heart. But the second soil I want you to see in the text is the shallow heart. It's the shallow heart. This soil means that there will be no root, a quick shoot, and then withered fruit. Verse five, other seed fell on rocky ground, Jesus says, where it didn't have much soil. And it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. When the sun came up, it was scorched since it had no root. It withered away. Like a firework shooting up into the sky. Beautiful and brilliant and loud, only to fall to the ground as an ash. So it is of the faith of those who have a shallow heart. You see, shallow soil stifles healthy growth. It prevents endurance when trials come. If there is, verse five, shallow soil, then Jesus says that that person's faith is, verse 17, short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. This person hears the word and they grow quickly. They're full of joy and excitement. There is zeal. They love the Lord. They're on fire for Jesus. But when persecution comes, when trial comes knocking on their door, they walk away. It's proving to be too difficult to remain faithful to Jesus. It costs too much. You see, the authenticity of your faith is proven not when life is easy, but when life is hard. This is one of the hard parts of ministry. We get a front row seat to see God do incredible things. And we see people fall in love with Jesus. But when they get close to following Christ, and they're all in, but difficulty comes, trials come, temptation comes, they're like, I'm out. This is too hard. I'm walking away. It's a shallow heart. 
that is not interested in persevering and enduring in the midst of hardship. In John chapter six, Jesus has drawn a huge crowd. He's by the Sea of Galilee, just like he is in Mark chapter four. He has just fed the 5,000. People are loving this. They have full stomachs and they get a show, dinner and a show. This is better than the Dixie Stampede. I mean, this is fantastic. He's feeding us, he's performing miracles, there's lots of people, let revival commence. But then Jesus says, if you're gonna follow me, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And all of a sudden, people are no longer interested. We get to John chapter six, verse 66, which I believe is one of the saddest Bible verses there are. From that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. When difficulty comes, when hard truth is brought to bear, those with a shallow heart walk away. When you don't allow the roots of your faith to sink deep into the soil of God's word, the danger is that your faith becomes something that you're no longer interested in because it is the means by which persecution, difficulty, and trial have come. Question, will you still follow Jesus when life is not easy? Will you remain faithful to Christ even when persecution comes? You see, Jesus knows your heart. He knows it's easy when following Christ is popular, when following Jesus means that you're invited to the cool table. If following Jesus means I'm healthy and wealthy, I mean, all of us are like, yeah, I'll be in on that. But when it costs you, when, when it's gonna mean that you're gonna lose something precious to you, that's when real discipleship begins. People follow Jesus when it's cool. But when it costs you and persecution comes, when, when you get made fun of for being a Jesus freak, when you're no longer invited to parties, when you lose friends, when your persuasion is losing momentum, when you get passed over for a promotion, and God forbid, if your life is in danger for following Jesus, question, do you remain faithful? That's the question. Following Jesus when it's convenient and trendy is easy. Following Jesus when it costs you is where discipleship is revealed. So when the son of persecution beats down on you, will your faith wither? Or will suffering and hardship send your roots deeper into God's word and you remain faithful? So we see the first soil is hard heart. The second soil is a shallow heart. The third soil is a worldly heart. Worldly heart. This soil means there will be root, amen? There will be a shoot, okay, but no fruit. In verse seven, Jesus said, other seed fell among thorns and the thorns came up and choked it and it didn't produce fruit. These hearts are Look at verse 18. The ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. This worldly heart is a selfish heart. This person is thinking only about themselves. They've heard the word, but they're worried about life. 
They're worried about their kids. They're worried about their grandkids. They're worried about their income, worried about the world, worried about their nation, worried about the future, worried about their job. And they've allowed the worries of this world to begin to choke out the word. See, a worried heart takes your eyes off of Jesus and puts them on temporary problems. Tim Keller said it like this, worry is not believing that God will get it right. But not only worry, Jesus says, but also a greedy heart will choke out the word. Jesus says in verse 18, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things, they enter in and choke out the word. Question, do you want cash more than you want Christ? Do you want the world more than you want the word? Hear the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 6. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich, watch this, fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Question, is your heart full of worry? Are you allowing the worries of this life to choke out the word of God? Are you allowing greed and covetousness to choke out the living and active word of God? If you're pursuing after other, all these other things other than Christ in his word, then you are in danger of having a shallow heart. You're allowing temporary things from being faithful to Jesus. You may have root, there may even be a shoot, but Jesus says there will be no fruit. That's not a mark of a disciple. And maybe this morning, you need to say, Lord, I've allowed my heart to become crowded. There are many things that are vying for my allegiance and my affection for you. And so, Lord, this morning, I'm going to allow the temporary things of this world to pass by so that I can fix my eyes upon Jesus. So we see these three different soils. All of them are a danger for you and for me. The hard heart, the selfish heart, the worldly heart. But notice the heart that Jesus is after, the fruitful heart. The fruitful heart, the fourth soil. It means there's gonna be root, there's gonna be shoot, and there's gonna be much fruit. Ah, so this is what God's after in you. A heart that is soft and open and eager to receive the word. The fruitful heart is the good soil that Jesus describes in verse eight that produces a a crop of 30, 60, and 100 times over. This heart is rich, fertile soil that loves and receives the word of God. I would encourage you, go go memorize uh, Psalm 1. Because there you see in these six verses, the blessed man, the happy man who's allowed the word of God to be his greatest treasure. Paul, uh, not Paul, uh, the writer of Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man who walks, come on, Bruce, who walks, I told you to memorize it. What am I doing? (laughs) 
who walks not according to the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, whose fruit bears, come on Bruce, bears its fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. We got through it together. <laughs> this is the blessed man. This is the happy man, Psalm 1, the one whose heart is open, eager to receive the word. On his law, he meditates day and night like a tree planted by streams of water. This is what the heart that Jesus is describing. Hear me on this. The deeper your roots, the stronger the tree. And if you allow the roots of your faith to sink deep into the soil of God's word, when persecution comes, when trials come your way, when temptation knocks on your door, you will stand firm. You are like the house that's built upon the rock. You do not sink in quicksand because you're standing upon Christ and his word. So how do I cultivate this kind of heart? How can I allow my heart to be one that Jesus is describing here as a fruitful heart? There's three ways that we see right there in verse 20. It comes right from the text. The first is this, you must hear the word. You hear the word. That's what he says there in verse 20. Jesus says the seed sown on the good soil hears the word. That word for hear, it does not mean that you hear a noise. Kind of like uh, if, you're, if you're children, if you ask them to do chores, and all of a sudden they're like, I don't know, comprende. Like, what? like you, you sound like Charlie Brown's teacher. Like, I, that's not what that word means. You hear it. That word there, it means to listen, to comprehend. You're leaning in because you're eager to receive the instruction. You hear the word because you, you really want to grab hold of what it's saying. You allow the Bible to just penetrate your heart and your mind and your life. You saturate your life with the word. You love hearing Bible preaching and Bible teaching. You love getting the scriptures and putting it around your life. You've got scriptures put on your mirrors and on the cabinets of your, your kitchen. And you're, you're allowing the word to do its work because you want to get as much kindling around your heart as possible. You open the scriptures and you listen to what God God has revealed. Ezra chapter 7 verse 10 says, Now Ezra had determined in his heart to study the law of the Lord, obey it, and teach its statutes and ordinances in Israel. Determined in his heart to study the law of the Lord. There is a direct correlation between spiritual maturity and Bible intake. They're connected. They hold hands. You will only be as mature as as much Bible you put into your heart and mind. So you hear it, Jesus says. Secondly, you love the word. Verse 20, he says, welcome it. You welcome the word. You accept the word. You receive the word. You desire it. You crave it. 
You're like a Berean in Acts 17 where you receive the word with eagerness. Thirdly, you live the word. That's what he means there in verse 20 when he says produce fruit. Fruit is outward evidence of an inward change. Your character begins to look more and more like Jesus. People look at your heart and they look at your life and they say, man, something's changed about you. You've got peace in the midst of trial. You've got joy like all the time. Where does that come from? Where does this kindness that exudes out of you come from? It comes from a heart that's bearing fruit in your life. You're living out the word. James says, don't be a hearer only, but do what it says. And you're allowing the word of God to be lived out in your life. So what's the challenge? What's the impact point? It's this. Ask the Lord to sink the roots of your faith deep into the soil of his word and to give you boldness to share the word with people in your world. Saying, oh God, would you please give me a heart that is fertile soil to receive the word and I wanna know you and I wanna know the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering and I wanna know what you've revealed in your word. So I'm gonna put my, my face in the book and I'm gonna study, I wanna grow in grace and knowledge and Lord, I wanna be a sower. I wanna take the seed of the word of God and cast it out into the world in which you've placed me. I want other people to know what I've come to know, that I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I crave this word and Lord, take this word and would it overflow my heart and life so that the nations and my neighbors might treasure 